I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. The search for a diagnosis can be a long and difficult journey for patients with a rare disease, but CrowdMed is offering a different way for them to find the answers they seek. The web-based service allows patients to tap a multidisciplinary team of experts to help them solve their medical mysteries. We spoke to Jared Heyman, founder and CEO of CrowdMed, about the service, how the experience his sister faced in getting a diagnosis for a rare disease led to its creation, and why the company even though it's backed by top-flight investors, is now turning to crowdfunding to raise capital. Jared, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. Good to be here. We're going to talk about CrowdMed, how this may be providing some patients with rare diseases, a a new way to get a diagnosis, and what you're doing now to fund the company. I'd like to start with the story of your sister, though, and, and how that led to CrowdMed. She had a a rare genetic disease and, like many patients with such conditions, had difficulty getting a diagnosis. What was the diagnostic odyssey like for her? Well, my sister spent three years uh, searching for her uh, correct diagnosis and treatment, and it was a a really dark uh, time in in her life and and, in our family's history where, uh, first of all, her symptoms were awful. Uh, she, uh, She had severe depression anxiety. She gained about 50 pounds worth of weight almost overnight. Um, she couldn't go to school. She couldn't work. Um, she would really just sleep 14 hours a night and, you know, wake up in these, these terrible night sweats. Uh, she, uh, uh, during the day, was so lethargic and depressed that she, could, she couldn't do much more than, than watch TV. And really, she was just trying to survive long enough to find out what was wrong and, and hopefully return to health. But uh, if she didn't get a diagnosis and cure, um, I think she actually would have killed herself at some point because her life was really that unlivable. And uh, watching firsthand someone who I love go through that, that process of just desperately seeking answers and seeing doctor after doctor, but no one being able to identify the correct diagnosis or any kind of treatment that would do more than temporarily mask her symptoms um, was, was really a, a, a disheartening for me. And it inspired me to want to do something to help people like her. I should say it's not unusual. I mean, in in the world of rare diseases, three years to a diagnosis is is actually relatively fast. What is what you hear from your your clients to CrowdMeta about what they've been through? Well, it's uh, one thing that's both inspiring and also also saddening for me is almost every CrowdMet case reminds me of my sister's. And, uh, you know, I, I read the struggles of our patients and it, it, it really hits close to, close to home for me, uh, because her story sounds a lot like the stories that, that, uh, that we see every day. Uh, patients who have been struggling for years, um, in fact, our average patient has been, uh, has had, has been struggling for seven to eight years before they even go to CrowdMed. Uh, the average patient has also seen uh, more than half a dozen physicians. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, my, my sister's case, uh, in her struggles, as you said, is, is actually shorter 
than what we see with a lot of uh, a lot of our other rare or, or difficult to diagnose disease uh, patients. Um, so it's uh, it's uh, it, it's certainly a problem out there. Now you had come to this from Infosys, which was. Uh, if I remember correctly, a, a market research firm that was using kind of the wisdom of crowds approach. I wonder if you talk a little about that and your your openness to crowdsourcing as a way of, of getting answers. Well, th- through my experience with InfoServe, uh, which I had uh, started from way back when I was in college, I had spent uh, over a decade in the market research industry. Uh, InfoServe, uh, by way of background, is an online survey company. Um, I really came to appreciate the wisdom of crowds, this, this notion that, that large groups of people are collectively much smarter than individual experts. In the case of InfoServe, we were using crowd wisdom to answer market research questions, a question of interest to our clients, like uh, which of these new product concepts will be most successful, um, or uh, which of these uh, marketing or, or logo design concepts might, might move the most product. Uh, not, you know, not world-changing kind of question. Um, but what we found is when we do surveys and other research techniques, we end up coming up with, with much better answers than if any one expert were to think about the problem on their own. So I, I gained an appreciation for the wisdom of crowds. And when I watched my sister going through her struggle, I saw how the medical system is basically the opposite of, of, of crowd wisdom, where the... Uh, the, the, the standard model is a patient sees one doctor at a time. Uh, he or she is working pretty much in isolation to try to come up with the right answers for the patient. And I found it kind of backwards that when you know, there's nothing more important than healthcare. If you're sick, there's literally nothing in the world more important than, than you returning to health. I mean, nothing else in life matters. But yet, even people in this very desperate situation have no way of tapping into this powerful phenomenon of crowd wisdom. And I felt that's the thing that should change. Well, what's the case to make for using this approach to diagnosing, particularly a rare disease? Well, uh, the best way to explain it is that any one person, no matter how intelligent they are, has limited knowledge. Even if you find the very smartest doctor in the whole world, he or she can only know so much. So as individuals, our our knowledge is, is limited. However, collectively, our knowledge is not limited. Uh, in, in theory, if you aggregate a, a large enough crowd, that crowd has knows everything there is to know. So uh, it seems silly to me to, for patients to have to rely on one expert working in isolation when if we can tap into the collective intelligence of multiple people, that just exponentially uh, improves the odds of coming up with the right answer. Uh, on CrowdMed, we get an average of 10 to 20 medical detectives, as we call them, on every case. And uh, for that patient, they're tapping into 10 or 20 people's knowledge all at the same time, which is so much more efficient than just working, seeing one doctor, working in isolation, and maybe if you're lucky, having another doctor appointment several months later. How does it work? What, what do patients need to do? What information do they provide? Well, the way the process works is it begins with a patient uh, completing our online patient questionnaire, where we ask a couple dozen questions about their symptoms and their medical history and what medications they're taking, uh, family medical history. Uh, think of it like a, a new patient intake form at a doctor's office, but, but on steroids. And then after they complete the questionnaire, we also invite the patient to upload medical records, uh, say imaging and diagnostic test results, uh, really any other materials that can provide the clues 
that our medical detectives need to crack their case. And if a patient does not have their medical information on hand, um, these days, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's much harder to get to your hands on your own medical information than it should be. Uh, for those patients, we, uh, we partner with a, another service called Picnic Health. And for a fee of a couple hundred dollars, Picnic Health will gather all the patient's medical records from all of their providers with their signed consent, of course, and anonymize it and also attach it to their CrowdMed case. So that's basically how we collect the case and all the information. And we try to cast it up pretty wide. You know, we encourage patients to, to give us, to give our community whatever clues they can, because, you know, you, you never know which, you know, needle in a haystack clue is going to lead the right detective to find the right answer or to help a group of detectives kind of reach consensus around that answer. So once the case is inputted, uh, it goes live on our site completely anonymously. One thing to stress here is our patients remain totally anonymous. They're only known by a, a pseudonym, which they, which they choose. And uh, we make the case discoverable to our community of thousands of, of medical experts around the world. Uh, uh, medical detectives, as we call them, can, uh, can search for cases by keyword, by symptom type, by geography, uh, whatever. You know, so they want to find the cases that really match their unique expertise. Uh, then over the course of typically several months, the medical detectives will ask questions to the patient, gather more information. They will do their own research. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll chat with each other. So the whole process is very interactive and collaborative where, uh, on our site, not only are we getting multiple medical experts at once, but we're also uh, providing lots of ways for them to work together and, and collaborate, communicate. Uh, and then, uh, over the course of these, these months, uh, there'll be several suggestions made. And what typically happens is the, the community starts to reach consensus around one or two or three uh, very likely possibilities. And most of the time, one of those top suggestions uh, ends up being the correct answer for the patient. And how is the service priced? So uh, if a patient pays directly, uh, and I'll also speak to our, um, our health plan model uh, in a second, but if a patient pays directly, they pay on a per case, per month basis. So it's, it's like a subscription model, although typically a subscription is only a few months. It's not like internet or cable TV, where it just kind of goes on indefinitely. Uh, typical case duration on our site is just a few months. But the reason we allow patients to pay per month is so they can keep their case up for as long as they want. And uh, our, our packages begin at $149 a month for our standard package. Uh, they go all the way up to $749 a month for our elite package. And the packages vary in terms of uh, which medical detectives are allowed to fully participate. So our, our higher-end packages limit of full participation to only uh, our, our most proven and, and the highest-performing detectives. And they also vary in terms of how much of a reward is offered to the detectives. One thing we haven't talked about yet is medical detective incentive. And a one key piece of that incentive is uh, every case on our site has a cash reward associated with it. And that money goes to whichever, whichever medical detectives perform best. Well, and the, the high, what, why don't you explain what exactly you mean by medical detectives? Who are these people and, and how do the incentives work? And I take it it's more than just a matter of cash. Uh, that's right. So I'll, I'll, I'll first answer your first question about who they are. Uh, our medical detectives are, first of all, very diverse. So uh, the majority of them are active in medicine, so active clinicians. Uh, of course, doctors are the single largest group, but we also have 
Uh, we have nurses. Uh, we've got you know, RNs, uh, nurse practitioners. Uh, we, ha we have PAs. We have medical researchers and scientists, uh, even a lot of medical students, in fact, uh, residents, interns. Um, really, it's, it's a, a pretty diverse group of medical experts from a wide variety of different disciplines. And that's one thing that was very much by design. Uh, we felt that if we limited it to, say, just, you know, Western-trained practicing physicians, then we'd get uh, not as much intellectual diversity, if you will, than if we cast the net much wider. If we have alternative medical providers, uh, we've got, again, the researchers and scientists, uh, we've got uh, students who have kind of more fresh knowledge of all the latest uh, disease discoveries, but also a physician who've been practicing for 20 or 30 or 40 years. And it's really through that diversity that I think problem works so well. Um, I should also mention that some of our medical detectives are not uh, uh, practicing clinicians. Uh, they can be retired. Uh, some of them are actually other patients who have had, uh, uh, who often know more about specific diseases uh, that they had than uh, the majority of, of doctors did. So we really try to get that, that medical knowledge wherever it may lie. And we have lots of mechanisms in place to, to make sure that only the best answers uh, make it to the patient. Uh, because uh, when you cast a net so wide, you have to have lots of quality control mechanisms to make sure that uh, only the, the, the best answers rise to the top and any bad answers, if, if they come up, are, are suppressed through you know, various mechanisms I could speak to. Well, so what about the incentives? How does that work? So the cash reward is, is the most tangible incentive. Uh, our uh, minimum cash reward on the site is $200 per case. Uh, the average reward is about $400 per case. Uh, our highest reward to date is actually over $10,000 uh, for a particular case. Uh, so uh, that cash you know, can be fairly motivating to our medical detectives, although uh, all of their winnings are based upon performance. So there are no participation-based incentives on CrowdMed, uh, with one exception, which is the case of moderators. Uh, they're a, a licensed physician that they get this, gets uh, $50 or $100 just for moderating a case. But other than the moderator, you can only make money on the case by actually performing well. So the cash piece is definitely there, but there's a lot of non-cash incentives as well. So, uh, for example, we have a point system where medical detectives can win points and compete with each other to climb to the top of our monthly leaderboard that, that recognizes the top performing detectives. And you know, I'll tell you, doctors are very competitive types. And uh, that, that, that monthly leaderboard is, is a competitive space. And uh, I think that our point rewards and, and the ability for, uh, for medical experts to, to prove their prowess uh, to, to their peers is just as motivating, if not more motivating, than the cash piece. You had mentioned uh, some things you do for quality assurance. What, what are some of those things? Well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, we've been at this for about four years now. And uh, we've got two uh, issued patents that cover our core technology. Um, I could easily spend an hour just talking about the things that we do to, uh, to, to make sure that you know, the best answers rise to the top. Uh, just to highlight a few key things, uh, one is our reputation system that we call our detective rating system, where every detective has a score between 1 and 10. And the higher their rating, uh, the, the more privileges they have, the more influence they have. And that rating is both a function of their formal medical credentials and also their their performance on the site. So that allows us to give the, the most influence to, to really the very best uh, case solvers. Uh, we also have uh, community moderation features, 
where uh, if, let's say, someone makes a suggestion, but other participants in that case think that suggestion is wrong, uh, they can flag it and, and say why they think it's not the best answer. And if enough people flag it, have good explanations, then uh, that suggestion is, is removed. Uh, we, we've got consensus gathering mechanisms where uh, medical detectives can allocate points according to their confidence in either their suggestions or those of their peers. And uh, those suggestions with the highest uh, uh, point allocations kind of rise to the top. There's just a few things you know, out, of, out of several I could talk about, but we really do a lot to make sure that, uh, that, that only the very best answers uh, make it into the top of that the final result. Now that you've been doing this for several years, what do you know about the success rate? How long does it generally take to get a diagnosis and, and how accurately have they been? Well, we, we do a lot of things to measure our success. Uh, you know, I have a, a quantitative uh, research background, so uh, I like to measure everything and, and, and rely on a lot of data to, to, to see, you know, to, to see what our outcomes are. So I'll share with you a few statistics um, about how well crowdness works. So first of all, we've had now close to 2,000 uh, real-world medical cases that we've resolved on the site. So that's enough to draw a statistically valid conclusion on 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 efficacy, um, both from a clinical perspective and also in terms of cost savings, which is something else we measure. Uh, from a clinical standpoint, uh, we have two kind of key success metrics. One is we ask the patient post-case, this project may give you insights that led you closer to your correct diagnosis or cure. Because that's our overall goal. We want to give patients insights that eventually lead to their correct diagnosis or cure. And by that metric, uh, we have about a 60, 60, 65% success rate. That means that most of our patients are getting insights that they feel um, led them closer to their correct diagnosis or cure. And uh, it's a subjective metric, but an important one. Another way we, we measure our success is we ask patients several months after their case is closed, do you now have a medically confirmed diagnosis? And if so, did that diagnosis come from CrowdMed? So that's a, a harder way of measuring success. And by that metric, we actually have about a 75% success rate, meaning that of those patients who are, who several months later are, are medically, do have a medically confirmed diagnosis, about three quarters of the time, CrowdMed produced that answer for them. So that's another great way of measuring success. But no matter how you look at it, uh, most of our patients you know, our, their case is successful on our site. And again, these are patients who have, who have typically been sick for several years and seen um, more than half a dozen physicians. So yeah, within context of how difficult these cases are, uh, we're, we're very proud of our success statistics. Well, you, you've taken a sort of live by the crab philosophy seriously. You, you've raised more than $3 million to date in seed funding from some prominent investors, but you're now raising additional money through crowdfunding. Why have you decided to, to use crowdfunding? <laughs> it's a great question. And um, you know, people uh, often ask us, you know, given that you're a, a crowdsourcing company, why didn't you initially crowdfund? You know, there are so many companies are crowdfunding. And you know, given how much, uh, how much we believe in the wisdom of crowds and the power of crowds, it's kind of ironic that we didn't do this earlier. Um, because as you mentioned, we, we did raise uh, most of our seed round from, from prominent uh, Silicon Valley uh, venture capital firm. Um, we're, we're very proud of, of the, the, uh, the firms who have backed us, some of the, the best names in the Valley. But we realized, you know, better better late than never, uh, let's allow the crowd to support CrowdMed if, if they believe in it. And uh, just uh, one gives our own users a chance to invest, 
over the years, we've had many, many users email us and saying, you know, I love CrowdMed. How, you know, can I, can I invest in it? And we had to tell them, no, you know, we're, we're not open to, um, to, uh, to outside investors or to, uh, to non-accredited investors who aren't, uh, 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 you know, backing us through the formal channels. So part of this was to allow our own users a chance to invest. And part of this was also just to uh, uh, really, uh, I guess, practice what we preach and say, you know, if, if, if the crowd's wise enough to solve medical cases, the crowd should also be wise enough to recognize uh, the value in crowd med and, and, and the crowd should be, should be able to, uh, to participate and, and uh, share in our success. Uh, that's why we decided to launch this campaign. And this is really the last chance I think we'll be able to do that before we raise a subsequent rounds that, um, that that won't be open to smaller investors at all. And how are you planning on using the capital you raise? Uh, well, so this this round will, uh, you know, it's, the main, well, I should say it differently, the main business objectives we have, which uh, this capital will help support, is partnering with health plans. So uh, over the past few years, uh, we've, we've invested several million dollars in developing and, and refining and, and validating our technology. And at this point, we've done that. You know, the, the site uh, is, is very well refined. It works great. Uh, we've had multiple peer-reviewed academic papers uh, validating our clinical and economic impact. So we feel like our product is very well built and very well proven at this point. So now we're kind of shifting focus to distribution. And we believe the best way to distribute CrowdMed to the masses, because, uh, you know, we want to go from, from a couple thousand cases resolved to a couple million. And we believe the best way to do that is by partnering with health plans. Uh, so these are health insurance companies. You know, think uh, uh, Kaiser or Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, Aetna, United, you know, those kind of those kind of folks. So uh, we've already actually kicked off a handful of pilots, which with major health plans, which is very exciting. And it's really a win-win scenario, where the health plan uh, offers CrowdMed for free to their members. So that's, of course, exciting for a patient. You know, what, you know, can you imagine getting a call from your health plan saying, hey, uh, you know, it looks like you might have a, a rare or difficult diagnosed disease. Um, as a valued member of, uh, of, say, a Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, we'd like to offer you free access to the CrowdMed platform. That's a great call for a patient to receive. So it's a win for the patient. It's also a win for the health plan because uh, we've seen statistically uh, CrowdMed reduces patients' medical costs substantially going forward. Um, in fact, there was an academic paper published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research uh, earlier this year, which showed that CrowdMed, on average, reduces the patient's medical cost going forward by about 30%. And that implies at least a 4x ROI just in the first year uh, for a health plan who sponsors a CrowdMed, patient, a CrowdMed case uh, on behalf of, of one of their members. So health plans tend to save a lot of money uh, by offering CrowdMed for free to their members. And of course, for us, it's a great source of, of new patients and a, and a great distribution channel. So given that partnering with health plans just makes so much sense for us, we've decided to invest heavily into, uh, into forming those partnerships. As I mentioned, we've got a handful that are already underway in the early stages. And it's our dream one day to make CrowdMed freely available to millions and millions of patients in the U.S. Uh, who are members of, of you know, maybe a dozen or more health plans. Uh, and uh, that's how we can really reach scale. So uh, that's that's a big focus for us in this next phase, and and the money we're raising right now will is mostly going to support that effort. Jared Heyman, CEO and founder of CrowdMed. Jared, thanks so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you, Danny.
Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.